Good morning and welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview Community Church. I am joined by Thalia this morning. Hello, everyone. Thalia is the pastor of care here at our yes. church. And we are podcast buddies and ministry buddies <laughs> True. in lots of different ways. That and did might... you know that Crystal and I share her last name? Her current name is Crystal Taves. I know. That was my maiden name for 22 years. So, so we might be we are linked way back. I know. That is the, the tragedy or not tragedy, but the... The hidden thing that happens in Mennonite circles sometimes. I know. Yeah. My uh, son was freaked out the first time my aunt came to one of our family gatherings because she tried to insinuate that or suggested that him and his then girlfriend might be related. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> oh, no, that can't be it. And it actually wasn't. It was like through whatever, all kinds of in-laws. But anyways, we are here <laughs> in our podcast room talking about uh, some questions that have come up. We want to talk about mentoring. Um, it's one of the questions that we get asked like weekly, mm-hmm. daily, almost. Almost. <laughs> yeah. How can I get somebody older to speak into my life? Uh, why doesn't the, the church organize this for us? And so we want to talk about that, what our view is for that and how we kind of have a vision for it. Yeah. We also want to talk about the Church 2 Conference, which is coming up um, at the end of May at CBC. Um, not specifically about that so much, but just making people aware of it, but also just talking about some of the issues kind of surrounding that whole Me Too, Church Too movement, yeah, um, because that's an important thing for us to be aware of. It is. And then the third thing we want to talk about just coming out of that is some of the, um, just think how that affects us in ministry. How does that affect us as women um, working at Northview or just women in general in ministry roles? Um, and, and how we protect our marriages as well. Yeah, some of the boundaries that we put in place. You're going to be talking about that in our pre-marriage class tonight. Yes. And so you have it on your radar. It is top of mind today. Yeah, that's right. And it's something that we are constantly surprised that people kind of push back about. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about that a little bit. And then just talk about generally um, opportunities for women in ministry at Northview because there are lots of new people coming to our campuses all the time wondering how they can get involved. Yeah. And there's some misperceptions out there and we want to just kind of talk through how women specifically can get involved at Northview. So that is our agenda. Four questions, half an hour. Yeah. See how we do. Um, to start off with first, I just want to mention that we have our conference, Breaking Free from Fear, that is starting this Friday, and uh, Friday night and Saturday. And if you have not yet signed up, but you want to come, feel free to just show up at the door mm-hmm. and pay your $35 and be part of it. It's how many be a good women weekend. are signed up so far? Uh, around 400. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be a full worship center. So we're going to have worship and we're going to have teaching times, a prayer. Yep. Yep. It's going to be great. lunch. Yeah. yeah. So, uh yeah, 400 is a good number for in the worship center. It yeah. won't feel too too small in there. It'll be great, nice and nice and cozy, but yet mm-hmm. room to move around. So if you come, enter through the front doors, come in the worship center, that's where we'll be meeting. If you have to come through the back, hopefully you can find your way around to the front. <laughs> yeah. We'll have people at the doors. True. Um, but Northview is a circle, so just walk in a circle and you'll eventually find us. That's true. Yeah. It's very normal to have people wandering around saying, where do I find? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but we'll be there. We'll help you figure it out. Yes. So let's get started. Mentoring. Thalia, you probably have this question asked to you the most. What do do. you want to say as we start off talking about this topic? So you and I, Crystal, we want to affirm mentoring. We absolutely believe in it. We love it. It's very important. Except that you and I have the same mindset in that we don't affirm it in the traditional way, the official formal way of matching uh, a woman, let's say, with a mentor that they don't previously have known. Right. They haven't known. Yep. So we would actually prefer women to be connected with women who are older, women who are younger, women have their own age and learn from a variety of people, men and women, couples, singles, all different stages of life as your mentor. Yeah. 
So why is that? Well, what's really interesting is that if you ask someone to be a mentor, they will run. Yes. No one feels able to be a mentor. They don't feel like they have enough to give. They don't feel smart enough. They don't feel wise enough. They feel very scared of that title of being a mentor. I mean, I do. I know. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I'm the pastor here. <laughs> exactly. And someone asked me, like, well, I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Yeah. None of us feel sort of able enough to do that job. So that's one thing. Yeah. The second reason they run is that everyone is busy. And so the idea of putting a formal mentorship title into your life, you know, what does that mean? One hour every two weeks, one hour every month just feels overwhelming. So we'd encourage you to talk to somebody that you want to get to know and say, do you want to go on a walk with me on Thursday afternoon yeah. and not make it necessarily something completely formal? Yeah. One of our past staff members, she had sort of a secret agenda about this. And it was so funny. She had in her mind that she wanted to learn certain baking things or certain gardening things or certain financial things in her new marriage. And so what she did is she didn't tell the women that she wanted them to be her mentor. She simply said, you know, could I please learn this recipe from you? Or could I please talk to you about how to handle finances in our new marriage? And so she asked them questions about life and they had like a half hour conversation or they went for a walk or a coffee. And it was clearly a mentoring opportunity for our young staff member, but it wasn't an official mentoring. No. And she just kind of kept her eyes open yeah. and ears open to conversations that she heard, people that she uh, saw it, either at ministry or just at church and thought, wow, they actually seem to have something that I could glean from or learn from. And yeah. so for her, it was just taking the initiative to kind of keep her eyes open for people that she thought could speak into her life, but she didn't make it um, just this big pressure situation for that person. Yeah, because one person can't be a mentor in terms of teaching someone else everything. Yeah. You have to have a wide variety of people in your life that can teach you a wide variety of things. Yeah, because we sit in our staff room and we talk to people who are of all ages. If yeah. you've been at our staff, you'll see that there's interns who are like 20. Yeah. And then we have people up to our age and older. And so I think at our dinner tables, at our lunch tables, we mm -hmm. learn lots of stuff from different people. It's yeah. good for us to learn from people who are the younger generation yeah. about different things. And it's really good to learn in community. Crystal and I can't say that enough because if you come to any of our women's ministry Bible studies, you'll sit in small groups. So you might sit around a table of eight women, or you might sit in a classroom of up to 20 women, and you'll get to know people that you sort of naturally click with and those you naturally want to learn from. And there are some that you don't naturally click with or yeah. want to learn from, and that's fine. You can still glean from them as we pray together, as we study together. It's much better in community as opposed to being attached to one person that you have to learn everything everything from in that particular formal hour. Yeah. And even sometimes those people that we don't click with or that we don't necessarily want to learn from, we're learning from because yes. we're saying, actually, I don't really want to follow in that yeah. person's footsteps. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to be with people of all kind of shapes and sizes in that way in terms mm -hmm. of their maturity, in terms of their biblical knowledge. Um, we can learn from positive and negative examples, even yeah. in our own lives. Let me talk a little bit about couple mentoring. So quite often, I will have women come to talk to me about their adult children who are dating seriously or engaged or getting married or maybe newly married, and they desperately want their adult children to have a couple mentor. So this young couple matched with an older, wiser couple. Mm -hmm. Great idea in theory. Mm -hmm. What sometimes happens is these young adult um, couples, they don't necessarily know the older couples, or maybe they're not really professing faith right now, or they're kind of, 
you know, have left the church a little bit and they don't really want anything to do with this older couple that they know nothing about and they don't want to sit with them formally. And then they assume they're going to be stuffy and boring or just, yeah, Yeah. not have anything to say to them specifically. So what I tell these moms is I said, you know what? Talk to your close friends, your siblings who are married or single or widowed and have them be mentors without that title. When you have family gatherings, talk about life. Pray for this young couple, you know, when you're at home sort of privately. Surround them with love and care and support and kind of be their natural mentors without that title. And when I told this to one mom, she was so encouraged because she was so discouraged that her adult son and his fiance didn't want anything to do with a couple mentoring program, didn't want to come to church, didn't want to go to a pre-marriage class. But when I talked about the possibility of linking with the natural couples and families that are in their life, she was so encouraged that this could be uh, good for this young couple. Yeah, she realized there were natural, intentional relationships already there that could be helpful. And for that reason, she started planning more frequent family gatherings Mm. to invite over her siblings and their spouses and grandparents and all kinds of people so that there would be natural places where this young couple that's not plugged into church would have a Christian influence. Wow. And to see life worked out with with other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the challenges that we find for mentoring too is that people feel like if they're a mentor, they have to have it all together. Oh, yeah. Um, We have even people that are our table leaders, like at our Wednesday morning and Monday night study, they'll come and they'll talk to me about something that they're working through that's really hard in their life or their marriage or just whatever, their own emotional health, those kind of things. And they'll say, does this disqualify me from being a leader? Does this disqualify me from kind of in that role? And I say, well, no, because I'm going through a similar thing, or this is what, how we're working through things, or all of us are in process. And so I think there's sometimes this perception that we have to have it all together. And I think this actually really hurts Christian community rather than building it. Because if we have this, if we give out this perception that we have it all together, then people feel like they don't have, um, that they're having issue, or that if they have issues in their life, that they're somehow less than or just not as qualified to be part of things. And I think the more we can break down those barriers. Yeah, I have one story about that. I have um, also I've changed all the details and names, but I have a, had a couple in their 60s come to meet with me. And they had been mentors in the past, years past when we did have an official program. And now they were going through a tough time. But they hadn't confided in anyone. They hadn't talked to any one of their close friends here at church. They hadn't come to talk to any of the pastors. They'd been struggling through this for a year, significantly on their own. And when I asked, well, why didn't you talk to your trusted friends that you love and care about, that you've been in community groups with and you've been mentoring alongside years past? They said, oh, no, no, we couldn't talk to anyone because we are past mentors. Yeah. I said, oh, no, no, mentors have problems too. We all do. At every stage of life, there are problems. You need to open up to one or two couples that you trust, one or two of your close friends, pray with them, share with them. I know they have stuff going on. And she was so encouraged that this is normal to have muck, as I call it, at church at every stage of life. And we need to have a few people we share in depth with, even if we have the title of pastor or worship leader or kids ministry coach or youth leader, we have to be able to share with people. Yeah, because that is life. It is. It is not. We don't want to have this set up mentality that there's kind of two tiers of Christians. No. And that there's the leaders who don't have any issues and the rest of us. Yeah, there's no immunity when you have a title of some sort. You still have problems because you're a person. Yeah. And our goal as Christians is to walk through those in a way that honor God, but Mm -hmm. we can't just disappear them all. 
No. Because there's going to be circumstances that come into our life and there's our own sin that we need to deal with and we're all in process. Mm -hmm. God's working through all of us. So, and for me, I personally find it encouraging to see somebody that I have looked up to and realize that they're still dealing with stuff. Yeah. Like to me, that is like, oh, phew, then I don't have to have it all together. True. Because that person has been married 40 years and they still have issues that they're trying to sort out. Mm -hmm. It just makes us feel like more able to cope. Because we realize, oh, it's it's not only us. No, it's normal. Yeah. So don't feel like you have to hide all these things. No. <laughs> Let's be real. Right. But Christian you don't community. have to be me- real on social media and you don't have to be real with everyone in your life. Just a few trusted people. And you don't have to be real about all the details no. necessarily. I think even just someone saying, you know, my husband and I struggled um, and we're working through an issue. Even just those little pieces are yeah. helpful to, for other people to hear. Yeah, you don't have to say overview. all the guck about it. Yes. Yeah. And you have to know that when you walk into any church, including Northview, not everybody is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so you really need to spend time getting to know people before you reveal the nitty gritty of what you're going through. Like really go to your trusted people. And, you know, pastors and counselors, we have confidentialities. You can come talk to us. Maybe you have a trusted aunt or parent or somebody in your life but yeah you don't have to share with everyone yeah so okay if someone said to you kind of you find me a mentor (laughs) in five in like two sentences what would you say to them i'd say join a community get to know a lot of people and learn from a lot of people yeah and don't make it a big no formal deal no yeah let's just try to learn from and think about specific things you want to learn maybe and then try and see if there's somebody that might have something to say into that specific area yeah whether it's infertility or whether it's whatever yeah yeah Okay, second topic we wanted to talk about is that hashtag Me Too movement, hashtag Church Too. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about the conference that's happening at CBC? Do you know anything about it? Yeah, end of May is a Friday night and Saturday, I believe. Yeah, And it's taking on this concept that we have heard, what, for now, six months since the fall about the hashtag Me Too, about all of the women that have been hurt by men and also men who have been hurt by women in a sexual way, they've been touched and they've been uh, treated badly. And we know all about that through social media. One little side piece on that is it's really hard for me to read all the hashtag Me Too articles in the news because we don't know if someone has actually done the things they've been accused of. And it's very hard to see it tried in the media. Mm-hmm. I feel just my heart aches for the person who has possibly committed such terrible things. But the thing is, we don't know for sure. It shouldn't be tried in the media. And the other thing is that we are all sinners. We are all fully capable of doing terrible things. And so we have to be very careful um, about our attitudes and what we say that we not so quick to condemn when we don't actually know the facts. Yeah. So we're not saying that we want to be soft on the issue no. of sexual immorality or sexual harassment. No. That's not at all what we're saying. No, it's absolutely saying, wrong. Sexual yeah. harassment, sexual molesting, touching inappropriately, absolutely wrong. It's not okay. It should not happen. Uh, we want that to be um, definitely dealt with in the proper way through the police and through the courts and through all those things. But on the other hand, if somebody has been accused wrongly, that's also wrong. Yeah. So we don't want to give into this hysteria around it. We want to kind of honor the court system and honor, not spread gossip about things that we've just heard. Yeah. And um, yeah, because right now the momentum is on the side of the accuser. People can just raise their hand and say something and people take it um, unquestionably where where that could be a completely false accusation and it could ruin somebody's life. Ruin their reputation, ruin their marriage, ruin their kids, ruin their church, ruin... It's just, we need to be very careful that we don't 
necessarily believe everything that we're told. No, because we have had, even at Northview, people that come in here who are not very stable in terms yeah. of their thinking and they say all kinds of things yeah. and we don't know whether they're telling the truth or not. Right. Right. And so there is a due process that we want to go through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So this, cl- this conference is being held at CBC yeah. and it's just kind of talking about how the church is dealing with this issue, has dealt with this issue, yeah. should deal with this issue mm-hmm. in the future. Like we said, we want to be totally honest and upfront and not be churches that cover up anything. No. Um, and we also want to prepare people for it as they enter ministry. So why don't you say a little bit about the Sacred Trust class and what you do there, Thalia? Yeah. So the Sacred Trust is a class that is offered by the Conference of Mennonite Brethren Churches. It's offered a couple times a year. I teach part of that class. It's a full day um, class and I teach like an hour and a half to two hours of it. My portion is healthy boundaries and ministry, particularly around protecting against sexual immorality. Because we are sinners and we are fully capable of sinning ourselves, so we need to put boundaries in place so we don't sin, but we also need to realize that other people may sin against us and we need to protect ourselves and our marriages and our churches. And so I talk with pastors around this. So just say, just before we go on much more, this is a it's a mandatory course yes. for everybody who's being credentialed yes. as to be like an official minister under the MB conference. Yeah. So for anyone who wants to perform marriages or do any of those kind of official things within the MB conference, we yeah. have to get accredited basically by our conference so that we're registered with the government. Yes. And so that those accreditation things happen three or four times a year. Yeah. And then those Thalia is part of that accreditation process every time they have this course. Yes. So it's mostly pastors. Mostly pastors, there's ministry leaders. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it might be a director of children's ministry, director of worship, everyone who wants to be officially recognized by the Mennonite Brethren Conference as a pastor or as a ministry leader needs to take this course. Yeah, And so then we go very firmly through um, how do we, yeah, what are the uh, healthy boundaries for ministry to protect ourselves from sexual immorality ourselves and to protect our churches? Yeah. So what would be some of the main topics that you'd cover there? Like how, what would an hour and a half, two hour session look like for you? Mm-hmm. So we talk about the need for boundaries. Like why is this important? Because often as Christians, we have this belief that we shouldn't have boundaries <laughs> in ministry because we should be ready to give of ourselves 24-7 all year long. That There should be no, no off button for um, pastors or ministry leaders. And we know that that creates all kinds of problems because our bodies are limited. We actually do need to take time to rest. So I talk about physical boundaries. And then there's also the problem that if we as pastors respond to every crisis call, then we start to think of ourselves as the savior to everyone, which is not good because we're a team and actually we yeah. as pastors can't save everyone. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then the problem is that if we run out at all hours of the night, it hurts our family and it can also open us up to getting involved with people on an emotional level or a physical level that can lead to things like affairs. Yeah, And we talk about how when you are a pastor or a ministry leader, an affair, a physical affair is not simply a physical affair. It's actually a case of abuse yeah. because that a pastor is seen, yeah. Yeah, is seen as a person in a position of power and authority. And if they um, have an affair with someone in a lesser position of power and authority, it's abuse and it can be prosecuted as such. So it's very, very important that we teach these ministry leaders how to protect themselves against all kinds of things. Like So like a youth leader, they shouldn't be driving home a youth, a student, 
by themselves because they are opening themselves up to the possibility of being accused of something that they may not have done. Yeah. So this could be same gender or opposite gender. Yeah. Same gender or opposite gender. Used to be that it was sort of okay to take the same gender home, except that now we have those kinds of difficulties coming up where we are just in a a society where people are afraid. And if their child says this youth leader touched me or talked to me this way or did something to me, the youth leader could be wrecked for life. Yeah. And so we need to really consider those things. It's the same for a pastor with um, an intern, a pastor with a receptionist. We have to be very careful how we conduct ourselves because of the allegations open to us. Yeah. 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 And um, so you talked about kind of physical boundaries in terms of our time and our energy, and yeah. then also just the boundaries of touch, those kind of things. Like yeah. how do we actually, because I think sometimes as pastors, we think, we need to meet the emotional needs of our congregation. Yeah. We want to kind of be affectionate. Yeah. And so how do we do that well? How do we touch someone in the hallway in a way that's not going to be yeah. misconstrued? Yeah, we talk about touch. We talk about prayer. We talk about traveling and meetings together. What are the boundaries around that? We talk about social media, texting, emails, phone calls. We talk about... Um, like every possible realm that we can talk about, about thinking about boundaries for your life. Yeah. That's what we talk about. Yeah. And I remember a couple of years ago when you started doing this, mm-hmm. you got a lot of pushback. Yeah. Uh, because people felt like, well, as Christians, we shouldn't have boundaries, like you said, or as Christians, we want to be caring and loving and we want to be this. I think that's kind of changed a little bit over time, hasn't it? Or do you Yeah, still there's get- a little bit less pushback. At first, it was this sort of, oh, you're just bringing in a culture of fear. Like <laughs> right. we really should spread the gospel at any cost. So if you need to meet alone with a person of the opposite gender in a coffee shop to share the gospel, you should do that. If you should drive someone home of the opposite gender because you need to help them out and therefore spread the gospel, you should do that. And I'm saying, no, actually, there are times and places to get other people involved in those kinds of situations. You can have meetings in open offices. You can have meetings in offices that have glass walls to protect yourself. Like you can bring a third person along. There's all these different ways to protect ourselves from false allegations, as well as just to protect ourselves against our own, own sinful sin. temptations, yeah. Yeah. because we are all so fully capable of yeah. that. So we should talk a little bit about what we do personally and what our office does to protect in this realm. Yeah. So as you yeah, transition to that idea of kind of boundaries in ministry for ourselves, mm-hmm. I think it's important that we can't just kind of isolate ourselves on an island and say, well, I'm never going to engage in relationships at all in order to protect myself because we have to. We have all these colleagues that we're working with. Totally. And we have to email people yes. like Jeff and Steve and yeah. Greg and other people and, and text them with information and have yeah. meetings with them. And so some of the things that we've done, um, often when I'm emailing something that I may be a little bit more emotional about or that kind of isn't just like an information piece, uh, to one of our male pastors, I'll CC Thalia in it just so that they know it's not like me trying to reach out for some weird kind of, <laughs> yep. you know, emotional involvement with them. Yeah. Um, just to have that third party kind of involved in the conversation. That's yep. one of the things that we do. And the listeners should know that Jeff, our lead pastor, all of his emails are read by his executive office assistant, Cecilia. Yeah. So that he does not get any private emails that are simply to Jeff alone. No. Which sometimes surprises people because yeah. they think they're having this private conversation with him. Yeah. And he's clear to say that right away is that, no, this is something that comes through his executive assistant. So that's a protection. It is a protection. For him. Yeah. Yeah. And upstairs in our open office, if you haven't seen it, it is literally an open office. Yeah. We are all sitting at long tables together and you can see everybody's computer and see you can see what they're doing with their time. And all of the meeting rooms have glass walls. And so you can see who's meeting and what they're doing in there. 
That's yeah. as a protection. Yeah. And we also are not allowed to drive alone with someone of the opposite gender. So I work a lot with Vic and Paul and I don't drive alone with them. I don't have coffees outside of the office in a coffee shop with them. We meet in the church with glass walls. We don't, we're not allowed to travel alone. Uh, like Crystal and I can go to a conference together, but I can't go alone to a conference because of, again, the allegations. I can go with my husband, yeah. but, or I could go with a few colleagues, but yeah. I can't go on my own. Yeah, because then there's no one to say, well, Thalia didn't do this. Like yeah. if there's some accusation was ever put against you, there's yeah. no one to verify that actually, no, you were not involved in that kind of thing. Yeah. And personally, for me, I also don't meet for people, meet for coffee with people of the opposite gender alone or drive alone with them. And uh, my husband, Mark, and our kids have the passwords to all my phones and devices of any sort. And I will frequently ask them to go in there and get something for me. Like Ava yesterday took a video of something and I asked her to get my phone and do it. So that they know what's going on. It's accountability for me. I'm not hiding anything on my phone or in my texts or emails. You can look at all of them. And they're all just factual based if it's with someone of the opposite gender. I don't have like a secret friendship going on that can lead to something else. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everybody's life and kind of like everybody's circumstances are maybe going to be a little bit different. But I think it's important to think about these things ahead of time Mm -hmm. um, to, yeah, think how am I going to deal with this kind of a situation when it comes up or ask advice when it does come up. Let me add one more thing is that, of course, there are emergencies. So a few yeah. years ago, we had two brothers living beside us and it was it was Christmas time and one of the brothers uh, fell off a ladder and broke his ankle. Well, I was only home. Mark wasn't home. He normally works at home. So what I jumped immediately in the car with this neighbor and I took him to the hospital and I waited with him for, it was a couple of hours before his girlfriend could get there. Like we, there are emergencies. Yeah. You know, if um, Paul was sick and there was no one around to take him home, I'd take him home. But yeah. we would phone Carla and say, I'm taking Paul home, just so you know. Yeah. So that there's no weirdness that can be accused to any of us. It's from Ephesians 5, where it talks about, uh, starting Ephesians 5, verse 3, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. If you keep reading, it talks about how we are so prone to sin. And because of that, the wrath of God is coming. And we, we don't want that. We want to honor God with our lives, with our words, with our actions, with everything in us. Yeah. I don't think we want there to be a hint. No, we don't want to be, if we live in fear of kind of the things in our closet being exposed to, that's a crazy way to live, Ooh, right? That's stressful. I yeah. know. <laughs> like, I wouldn't I would want that. Rather like, let's keep that closet clean. Yeah. So a lot of, I guess a lot of prevention is what we do. Yeah. And thinking ahead, keeping our radar on for the situations that could arise. Yeah. And I think brainstorm with your team. Like if you are part of a ministry team and say you're part of a youth team and Mm -hmm. like, so think about as a team, what would we do if one girl was left here at the end of the night and her mom didn't come to pick her up? Like, how are we going to work through those kind of situations so that you have a bit of a contingency so that not all the youth leaders don't kind of rush off and leave the pastor there by himself to deal with the situation. True. Right. Like think through how many people need to stay on staff until everybody's gone or those kind of pieces. Yeah. And think through your own personal situation in terms of it's slightly different if you're single and you're working with other people who are clearly single. But as soon as you're seriously dating or engaged, I think you need to think along the lines of heading towards, you know, if this relationship is going to be serious, how are you going to protect that relationship? Yeah. So it changes depending on your stage of life. If you're newly separated, divorced, widowed, again, you have to rethink as a single person, what is this like? How do you protect yourself? How do you protect the marriages around you? Yeah. Yeah. So we'd encourage you if you 
want to talk through this, mm-hmm. Dahlia's door is open. <laughs> I'll throw her under the bus. Absolutely, because this yeah. is a regular topic for me. And I know that listening to this, you might have all kinds of questions and you might be a little riled up because of what I've said. That's okay. Come and talk to me. I'm so willing to engage in pushback. I've done this comp- this sacred trust course for well, I think almost six years since I've been on staff. I do it several times a year. And the it's mostly male pastors that are in the room. There are usually a few females, not that many. And so I'm used to getting a lot of pushback from the men. And that's okay. It's it's I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Which helps me transition into our next topic about yeah. being a woman in ministry. That is a funny thing that most things we go to, it is mostly men in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of laugh because we have times where like, cause we have our women's ministry stuff going on here on a Wednesday night or sorry, Wednesday morning, Monday night, whatever. And once in a while, one of our male pastors will have to come in and to find their wife in the room. And they're like, totally like horrified to be in this yeah. room of 130 women Scared, or whatever. Cautious, <laughs> like, tentative. I don't like, want to be in here. And then in. I want to say to them, and I have said to some of them, like, this is how Thalia and I feel every single time. Cause we go to these MB conferences oh, or whatever. And it's like 50 men, three women. Now yeah. the plus side is there's never lineups for the bathrooms. No. <laughs> I know. Elder meetings, there's usually two, three women and tons of men. Like this is just normal for our life. Yeah. It was quite awkward and hard at first for me. Now it's it's still a little awkward sometimes, not so hard anymore. Yeah. I'm a little bit more comfortable with it. So if you're a man listening to this, I just encourage you to kind of recognize that, yeah, this is a thing. Because when we talked to, mm-hmm. I remember we talked to Jason Wall about it at the MB, this last conference. And he was like, oh, I had never thought of that before, yeah. that it must feel weird for you guys that you're in this room of 300 people and there's like 15 women. I know. So yeah. I was at a birthday party this past weekend with quite a few Northview people. And... Uh, we were separated. You know how it always goes. Like the women yeah. were in the kitchen and we we're all chatting and the guys were downstairs. So one of the husbands came upstairs and he was chatting with the women. And all of a sudden he went, I, I'm like the only man here. Like, this is just so like awkward. <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, well, if I come downstairs and hang out with the men, it'll be like an elder meeting. <laughs> and he started laughing because it's normal for me. I'm like, why are you like all like upset? Like this is a normal for me. You yeah. just kind of have to walk in and own it and talk to people or just people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that we kind of challenge or kind of encounter here on a regular basis. Yeah. One thing that makes me feel a little awkward sometimes is that we are asked to do things just because we're women. Oh, yeah. And I think like I'm not really qualified to do this. And that's kind of a weird thing to be asked to like be part of committees or commissions, not necessarily within our church, but I'm saying like larger uh-huh. MB ones, just because of my gender. It feels yeah. like, uh, shouldn't, isn't there a more qualified person? <laughs> but there is kind of a bit of this um, pressure that we feel, I guess, to represent oh, yeah. kind of the female perspective. I know. It's very weird. I had one weird story happened yeah. a couple of years ago. So I was at a conference meeting and it was, I'm sure there was 50 plus men in the room and there were three women. That's normal. Okay. Then they asked during prayer time that we should all stand in a circle and hold hands. Well, I don't really want to stand in a a circle and hold hands with the men around me. But okay, I had to. That's awkward enough. These are not. This is not my husband. He's not in the room, and these are all men I don't really know. And then the leader of the prayer time says, "So we should really hear from the, the sisters. Should pray." And I, I'm thinking, no way. I am not praying. And so he said it again. We really should have the sisters open in prayer. And I 
I know this leader of the prayer time. I've worked with him. to be honoring to the yes. women and say we wouldn't want to hear from the women. But, in the, but that's yeah. a bit terrifying. Yeah. I don't really want to be put on the spot as one of three women. And I know he's sort of targeting me because he works with me a lot. And I'm like, gulp. Like, okay. But I wouldn't normally choose to pray out loud in a group that size. That's actually not my comfort level. So I would have just preferred to be quiet. But because <laughs> the sisters, he said it three times, the sisters were asked to pray. So I did open in prayer. And that's the kind of thing that we face a little bit. Yeah. Now and then. Yeah. So we have lots of opportunities for women in ministry here mm-hmm. at church. We're going to go through some of the things, but I think one of the things that we need to recognize kind of as women in the field that is a lot of men is that we have to be willing to kind of engage with men yeah. and not kind of resort to some female tactics no. of getting around things. So I no. think women in general can be a little bit more nervous about confrontation. Yeah. They can be more emotional about yeah. the situations that they're going through. Uh, I, may, I am stereotyping here, but as we walk alongside women leaders, I think one of the things that women leaders find hard is that they kind of have to get a little bit of a tougher skin. They mm-hmm. have to be ready a little bit to kind of stand up for their ideas and their beliefs yeah. in a way that might be a little bit more confrontational yeah. than they're used to. And this is something that, I've had to learn in my own marriage because Bob's uh, family and his kind of way of being is just more confrontational than my family was. So I feel like I came in a bit more prepared for that. But it's something I think in general, when we're working with a lot of guys, we have to be ready to um, kind of put up what we're saying as kind of something we want to do, have some facts behind it, have some rationale and stand up for it and kind of argue for things because that is what we're going to have to do. Push and pull in a respectful way. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that we've, tried to do well, tried mm-hmm. to model well, but we're also encouraging other women in our congregation that it, be a team player. Yes. Bring your full self into that conversation, yeah. but be w- ready to have some pushback, be ready to kind of argue for what you stand for and have yeah. some good reasons and yeah. w- work towards that. Because if we expect, um, sometimes people think, well, you know, the the more strong person always has to bow to the kind of more fragile person or whatever. And that's not, I can see like, yeah, some of the men might need to be a little bit more soft over time, but it's also up to us to also enter the conversation at a level that is expected Mm -hmm. kind of in that, in that zone. We can't always expect people to kind of come to where we are at. No. So I'd encourage women who are leading here to, yeah, be good team members and also just work at kind of having a bit of a backbone there and working through situations in a, that might be hard. So, Crystal, we have a lot of women that come that are new to Northview, all of our campuses, and they are wondering, as women, where are the areas they can plug in when they have leadership gifts? And I don't just mean teaching, but it might be worship and kids ministry and all kinds of things. So tell us a little bit of where women lead at Northview. Yeah. So the only thing that women don't do is preach on Sunday and be part of our elder board. But everything else is totally open for women in terms of pastoral staff levels, in terms of our internship program, in terms of our Immerse program, which is our training for pastoral interns, um, in terms of teaching kids ministry, in terms of leading in worship, like just so many things. And so I think once in a while, because this is talked about at our membership classes, that we have the complementarian model where we have male elders and our male kind of preaching pastors, people think, oh, Northview is against women. I'm yeah. against women in ministry. And yeah, we ask do. if we are oppressed yeah. here at Northview and how we can stand working here. Yeah. We get that conversation. Actually, Quite often. People ask us that. Mm-hmm. We just, now we kind of laugh a little bit. We know where they're coming from and we yeah. need to address it, but yeah. it's to- and totally And it is a theological true. thing that we can yeah. work through and talk through. We're not un- and we're not opposed to talking through the question no. in terms of a theological perspective, but we want to affirm people that even if you don't agree theologically with it, even if you think that women should be allowed to do everything, 
if you get involved here for several years, there's a lot that you can learn. We have so much leadership training for women. Mm -hmm. We have um, like the Simeon Trust courses that we offer. We have the Women in the Word Conference, which teaches us how to how to be better teachers. And these and are seminary level courses. They are. Yeah, they we're offering to women. We're doing one this next couple of weeks on how to teach Old Testament narrative. Like and. Um, they're solid classes. And so even if you don't necessarily feel like Northview is the place for you 20 years down the road because you see yourself working yourself into a lead, lead pastor role or a preaching role, there's so much that you can learn here along the way. Mm-hmm. Like I said, our internship classes, we have two pastoral interns right now who are women and always open to more. So, And our elders, uh, quite a few of them run um, committees. Mm-hmm. So we have like the development committee and the personnel committee and the stewardship committee and discernment committee and all these committees. Yes, they are led by an elder, but there are women and men on these committees that give input yeah. to the elder. Working side by we, side. Mm-hmm. We yeah. go to the elder meetings and we can give input if we want to. Uh, we Our voices are heard. We They are our friends. We really enjoy them and their wives. So it's not like we are excluded. Crystal and I have opportunity, like all the other pastors, to sit with our senior leadership team, which is our lead pastor, Jeff, uh, campus pastor, Ezra, and our executive pastor, Steve. And we meet with them and we are able to present all of our difficult issues and our joys to them so we can work out those things. And we're very affirmed by them Mm -hmm. in our roles and our leadership. And because we're in an open office, our voices are heard all the time. Greg and Jeff and Kyle, they sit right by us and Paul and Vic. And so we toss in our opinions and they toss in theirs and we go back and forth on issues. We are not sidelined in any way. No. And there's no kind of hierarchy within the pastoral staff that the male pastors have a higher authority or higher voice in our decision making. No. It's decisions made by pastors and... Yeah. yeah, And elders. So we would just encourage you that if you are a woman trying to explore where you could fit in ministry, that there's just so many opportunities for you to, uh, to be part of things here. So what we will generally tell people is, um, why don't you come and be part of something for a while? Yeah. Because I think it's important, even for all of our ministries, we encourage people to be part of the church for at least six months before they volunteer. Yeah. Because you want to see, okay, what the church is about, what our priorities are, all those kind of pieces, and then see if you're a good fit for that. Yeah. And then we also, especially for some of our teaching ministries, we have prerequisite classes that we make people take. Mm-hmm. And so before you're going to be teaching in certain settings, there's two classes specifically that I make women leaders to take, and that's just to make sure that their biblical knowledge is solid and that they kind of understand some of our principles for how we go about uh, providing teaching material and those kind of things, because that's important before they're going to be in a formal leadership role. Yeah. So, And what I would encourage, too, is that if you're considering Northview to be your church home, you could take the membership classes, even if you don't choose to become a member at Mm -hmm. this point, because it would give you a really good inside look at why we worship the way we do, why we give of our money the way we do, how we structure our um, leadership structure, like the elders and pastors, how that all works. We talk about such a variety of issues that you would get a good insight into the inner workings of Northview so you can decide if this is a good church fit for you or not. Yeah. And those membership classes, like the pastors are there. Mm-hmm. And so you can ask ask those questions, anything that's been on your head. If you've yeah. been sitting in the pews for the last six months and wondering about how Northview does things. Yeah. Just go ahead. Jeff will be there the first one and then other people's. They're next. in May. You mm-hmm. can look on the website or like you can May just email 8th. Crystal and I throughout yeah. three weeks and you can email us and ask information about that. And there are quite a, quite a few people who simply audit the classes. Like they don't become members after, like they are maybe members already and they want to learn the inside information or maybe they're just curious and they're thinking about it. So feel free. Yeah. Sometimes people have been members for 20 years, but the yeah. church has really changed. And so they just want to hear again the vision of the church, yeah. what we're going for just to see 
yeah, so they can get a better picture for what the church is all about. Yep. So I think that's it. I think that's it. That's where we're going to end. Mentoring Church to Me Too, Boundaries of Ministry and Women in Ministry. So hopefully hopefully some of that was helpful for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't I just close in prayer? Yeah. Lord, I thank you so much for our church. I thank you just for the energy that is on our, in our staff, um, the enjoyment that we have together, the way that we um, just push and pull ideas together and the way you guide us by your spirit as we listen to each other's uh, perceptions and as we study your word uh, together. I just thank you that you're leading and guiding us. Thank you, Lord, that you are in the process of sanctifying all of us, that the work that you started in us, you will carry it forward to completion as we read in Philippians 1. And so, Lord, we thank you that all of us are in that process of becoming more and more like you. So as we look for people to mentor us along that process, as we look to people to partner with us in ministry as we go, Lord, we just pray that you would just guide us to people who can help us in that journey and that we would be able to look outside ourselves as well to how we can encourage others and bring others Mm -hmm. along behind us. So, Lord, I thank you for the ministries that are going on, especially the men's Bible study, Lord, um, how it started this year and just relationships and mentoring has developed just so quickly through that already. We just pray that that would continue and that would flourish Mm -hmm. and that the men of our church and the women of our church uh, would be in places where they can grow and grow in community and grow in knowledge and love for you. So we thank you, Lord, that you are involved in all these things and that you're leading and guiding us and just pray that you continue to do so in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us.